today's Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 31, and you can find that on page 924 of the Church Bibles. One Corinthians one, eighteen to thirty one. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Thank you, Sharon. Good morning, church. My name's Tim. I'm the youth pastor here at Norwest. Fantastic to be with you this morning. Let's pray as we open God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks. We thank you that you haven't left us by ourselves to work out who you are, to work out what you've done, but you give us your word and you give us the message of the cross to give us a wisdom for our lives that we couldn't work out by ourselves. Father, we pray that as we come to your word this morning, you might show us Jesus clearly, that we might love him more and praise him all our days. In his name we pray. Amen. Have you ever gone against the crowd on something? Gone against the wisdom of the world? the wisdom of those around you. Kids, I wonder if there's been a time at school where maybe everyone had decided that something was a good idea and you decided, no, I'm not going to do that. The whole kindergarten class has decided they're going to throw Johnny's lunch into the bin. And you say, I don't think that's right. I'm going to say no. Have you gone against the crowd? Adults, you might have gone against a physical crowd at some point. And to illustrate this, I'm going to need help from our kids up up the front. So if you're a kid here, or even if you feel like a kid and you just want to be a part of things, jump on up, and I need you to congregate on this side of the stage. Kids, come up, standing here on the stage. And we're going to have a look at times when we go against the crowd. Maybe it's like a concert or a sporting event. Kids, come on up, standing here, facing this way. So maybe you've been at a sporting event or a concert and it seems like the whole crowd keep coming up, standing here. 
and facing this way. Fantastic. Maybe you've been at a sporting event or a concert and you wanted to go one direction and maybe that's the concert you're at and, and everyone wants to come, go the way you're coming from and they're all walking this way and you're trying to go through. We need a crowd. I can't have a gap here, kids. We need, that's it. Fantastic. And the crowd's coming against you. There was a time when I was in Mumbai and I was catching a train. Now, I don't know if you've heard stories about Mumbai trains, but they look a bit like this on the inside. Very full. And I was on a Mumbai train in peak hour in the evening going away from the city. So everyone who worked in Mumbai seemed to be on my train. All seven million of them. And it was coming up to the platform where I was going to get off the train. And so as the, the train came to a halt, I was uh, starting to think about how I'd get off the train. And I took about half a step and then realised I had a problem. And the reason is the train looks like that and the platform looks like that. They're all the people who are trying to get onto the train. Now, there's a certain etiquette to getting off the train in Sydney, right? You, you sort of stand there at the door and the, the door opens and you look to the other person standing there and you say, well, you go first. And they say, no, you go first. And you go, okay, I'll go off. And so you walk off and then they walk off. And the person who's patiently waiting on the platform will say, ah, now it's my turn to go on now that people have come off. That happens sometimes at least. But in Mumbai, you can't afford to do that if you're on the platform because there's a 16,000 people on the platform all trying to get onto the train. And you know, if I'm ever going to get on this train, I've got to be one of the first 10 in there. And so you fight and fight and fight to get in there, get in there as quick as you can. And so here was me inside the carriage trying to get onto the platform, which is about the end of this crowd. The train stops. I start to walk off. And the crowd comes towards me, come towards me, come towards me. And I was pushed back and I was pushed back and I was trying to get out. I was trying to get out and I couldn't. And the train started moving again. And I didn't get off the platform. I'd missed my stop. Kids have done a great job being a crowd, haven't they? Round of applause for our kids. Guys, take a seat. You've done very well. You're a fantastic crowd. So I had to get off at the next platform which was still a hard job, but I was more determined and more prepared, and uh, catch the train back where I could get off at the right station, catching a train to Mumbai. There you go. If you ever need advice, let me know. Today we're going to see how living for Jesus and living his way can be like going against the crowd. In fact, it demands us to go against the crowd. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the wisdom of the world and the foolishness of the cross. We're going to see how a 180-degree change in our lives means going from the wisdom of the world to something that the world regards as foolish. We have to go against the crowd. James started our series 180 last week, looking at uh, being, moving from being lost to found. Today, from wisdom to folly. It's also folly or foolishness to wisdom in another sense. But in the eyes of the crowd, we move from wisdom to folly. So we're going to start by looking at a foolishness that's actually wise. We're then going to see a wisdom that's actually foolish. And we're going to finish by seeing a wisdom and power that, is actually, that are actually precious. So let's start together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 
Everyone, let's follow along together. Kids as well, if you've got your Bibles there, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we start in verse 18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let's be clear here as to what we're talking about. We're talking about the message of the cross. We're talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death that brings life to all who believe. When Simon was praying earlier, he talked about more college and youth works college, preparing people and training them in the gospel and praying that people wouldn't add to it or subtract from it. That's the gospel. That's what we're talking about here. It's the message of the cross. Now, to worldly ears, the message of the cross is foolishness. A man wins victory by dying? That's absurd. Death is defeat. You might think it sounds absurd to your ears. That's okay. You know, if you've grown up in a Christian home and you've never really, you can't remember a time when you haven't known the gospel, we can forget that it sounds foolish to our world. We can forget that it sounds foolish to those around us. I mean, have you ever wondered why evangelism is so hard? You've been speaking to a friend about Jesus and you're trying to tell them the good news and you just feel like you can't find the words to explain the good news of Jesus to them. You know why that is? Because what you're saying is absolute foolishness to them. You're saying that something's really, really significant and to their ears it just isn't. You're saying that something's really powerful and they just see a man who died. I remember the first time I preached, I started to learn this lesson a little bit. I was preaching at a youth group and uh, like all healthy church gatherings, there were people who, uh, uh, our Christian uh, kids at the youth group had invited their non-Christian friends to come and hear the message of the cross, to hear the good news of Jesus. And so uh, I was really excited because I was preaching for the first time and I said, there's people there who don't know the good news of Jesus. I'm going to be telling the good news of Jesus. People are going to be saved. People are going to give their life to Jesus. And I was really excited because I had that expectation. And so I, I preached and I explained the, the gospel and no one came a Christian that night. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't work it out. And so I thought, oh, I must have explained it badly. And so the next time I preached, I, I, I put more effort into crafting my words really specifically and really clearly the, so I explained it as clearly as I possibly could. And that didn't work. No one came a Christian that night. And then I started realising that evangelism is hard work. Preaching is hard work. No matter how much you try to make things clearer, what you're saying is foolishness. So if you're here today and this, the gospel, this dying equals power stuff, if that sounds ridiculous to you, I get it. We know. We know it sounds foolish. And yet, it's wise. It sounds foolish and yet it is truly the only way to be saved, Paul says, from perishing. That's a strong word. We don't like that word. That grates on us a bit. Perishing, can't we use sort of softer language? Can't we use nicer words? No, it's a reminder to us that we, we all fall into one of two categories. We are all deserving to be on this side where we are perishing in the way of the crowds. 
If by the grace of God we've been plucked out of that, then we are being saved. And it is the message of the cross which is the power to do that. That's why Paul says, to us who are being saved is the power of God. It's a foolishness that's actually wise. And it isn't uh, language that's isolated to this part of the Bible. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why would you be ashamed of it? Because it sounds foolish to those around you. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The message of the cross sounds like foolishness to the crowd, but it is actually wise. Foolishness, that's actually wise. Let's see wisdom, that's actually foolish. The big point here is that the world's wisdom can't lead us to God. That's Paul's big point through this section uh, in 1 Corinthians. The wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the crowd can't get us to God. Only the message of the cross can do that. People write books, blogs and banner headlines which try to answer the question of the universe. They try to work out why are we here. Uh, Great minds have extrapolated from scientific discoveries solutions to the world. They believe they shed light on our situation and answer all our questions. And you know, in our lives, we love talking about ideas. We love conspiracy theories. Even if we think they're wrong, we, we love the thought that someone might have come up with the idea that's smarter than everyone else. We love ourselves to be the enlightened mind. We love to be those new, have those new ideas and to be at the forefront of thinking. Paul says, trying to work out the things of the world, the answers of the universe purely by human wisdom, is destined to fail. No matter how advanced your thinking may be, it will never work. Verse 19, he says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. He quotes Isaiah in a passage where God is talking about how in his desire to save people, he will frustrate our attempts to work out the things of the world so that we can see we don't have the answers that we might turn to him. He then broadens this application into the, the, the modern, into the, the world of Corinth, where it is and helpful for us today. He says, verse 20, Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, the crowd and its thinking... Since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached, the message of the cross, to save those who believe. That foolishness that's actually wise, that message of the cross, is spoken into the wisdom of the world that's actually foolish to save those who believe. The world's wisdom, the thinking of the crowd, has some good bits in it, but there's a lot of foolishness there. It can't lead us to God. And sometimes we see that it it doesn't really work in this world either. I think that's Paul's point where he says, where is the wise person? 
My birthday is on the 17th of December. And anyone with a December birthday uh, or an early January birthday will know you get all your presents at one time of the year. Which is a fantastic thing for me because it means at the start of my summer break, I've got this massive stack of books to set me up for a month. I can just read through them at my own pace. It's fantastic. It's one of the great things of summer. And uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I've been reading a book by Chris Judd. Chris Judd was a professional AFL player. He uh, was one of the giants of the game. He retired a couple of seasons ago. And he was talking about when AFL players, and I assume other professional athletes, uh, come to retirement, they find it really hard. Because the thing that made them who they are, the thing that brings them identity, the fact that they're an AFL player, is instantly taken away from them. What everyone recognised them as, what everyone thought of them as, what everyone respected them for is now gone. And he said that, that, that for AFL players who've retired, and I presume for other professional athletes, it's very common for even greats of the game to experience real deep depression and, and other mental illnesses because everything that made them who they were has now been taken from them in an instant. And I thought that was really interesting because it's hard to think of anything more coveted by our world than to be a professional athlete or to be in the, the limelight somewhere, to be famous, to be doing something on, on, on the public stage with people uh, congratulating you and supporting you. It's hard to think of anything more coveted in our world. In politics, industry, the people who are wise to the world and can get their way to the top are just as prone, if not more prone, to making shipwreck of their lives. They're prone to the world and making errors just as much as we are. And so athletes and and leaders in our world can end up being just empty shells, broken people. Our world says they've reached the pinnacle, they're living the life, they've achieved everything, but it all ends up being empty. And so the message of 1 Corinthians, the message of uh, the book is don't search for answers the way the world does. Don't chase after the ways of the world. Don't listen to the wisdom of the crowd. Listen to the wisdom in the message of the cross. In chapter 3, a couple of chapters later, Paul writes, he says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standard of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. If you're running along with the crowd in our world and the crowd loves you and thinks you're doing fantastically well, Paul says, be careful. It's a good thing to be a fool in the eyes of the world if that foolishness leads to the true wisdom found in the message of the cross. We've seen foolishness in the world's eyes that's actually wise. The message of the cross, foolishness to the ears of our world, actually wise. We've seen the wisdom of the world is actually foolish in many senses. Finally, we're going to see power and wisdom that are actually precious. And this is key. Because we need to ask ourselves the question, if we at one stage were in the crowd and thinking like the crowd, and moving with the crowd, and there was something said which is foolishness to our ears, which it was back then, 
why would we follow it? Why would we be keen to accept something that is foolishness to everyone around us? The answer is that because the answer is that by his grace God has removed the scales from our eyes and we can see that we have found someone truly precious. If you're like me, you might be prone to having a high view of yourself and your own abilities. These words may sting, they do for me. Brothers and sisters, this is verse 26 in 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world, that's me, that's us. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak. That's me. Things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly. That's me. Things of this world and the despised things. That's me. And the things that are not. That's me. To nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. If you're a Christian here, the day of boasting is over. The day of being proud of ourselves because we've got things worked out are finished. The day of being chuffed because of our own wisdom is no more. The life of the Christian, the life of the one who has gone 180 degrees is to realise that we are weak, foolish, lonely and despised people. But by God's grace, by the message of the cross... We have received all things. Verse 30, it is because of him, talking about God, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. We're foolish, we're weak, we're lowly despised, but God sends Jesus who becomes for us wisdom. And in Jesus we have wisdom. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because of the message of the cross, because of the fact that everything that is Christ becomes ours, we're now redeemed before the God of the universe. We're now holy before the God of the universe. We are now everything that Christ is before the God of the universe. This is precious. But here's the key. The most precious thing is not our redemption and our holiness. The most precious thing is that we get Jesus. Redemption, holiness, those things that come for us are the gifts but they're the secondary gifts from Jesus who is the key gift. He is the treasure. He is the one who is precious. He is the one who we are drawn to. He is the one who pulls us out of the crowd and into the message of the cross, into the wisdom and power of God. Jesus is for us all things. Verse 31 
Don't just love Jesus for what he gives us. Love Jesus for who he is. Jesus is precious. Paul makes this as clear as anyone and anywhere in Scripture in Philippians chapter 3. Be on the screens. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. Any recognition from the crowd, any acknowledgement of earthly wisdom, he says, I'm leaving that. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Because Paul sees how sweet and precious Jesus really is. And his message, the message of the cross, the gospel, is the power of God to save us. So Norwest, become a fool with me. Join the company of fools. Run to Jesus for true wisdom. That's the first step. Acknowledge we need Jesus. Believe the message, of the, God, uh, the message of the cross. Be reunited with God. We're then faced with the question, well, how do we live in this world if we're supposed to be running against the crowd? How do we do that? Because like we've said, there's a lot of wisdom in our world which can be helpful for living in the world. It's not like everything that the world thinks up is wrong. You know, if you go to a cookbook and you say, how do I make a lasagna? And it says, put it in the oven. You don't go, that's foolish. That's of the world. The gospel doesn't tell us how to make lasagna. There's a lot of wisdom in our world which, help, which is helpful for living in it. Psychology services, scientific research, medication and, and, and scientific discoveries. There's so much. And just this week, I was researching uh, leadership resources to help me become a better youth pastor, to become a better leader of my leaders and become a better leader of the, the, the people who God has entrusted me with. And some of it, I said, you know what, I can just put that straight into practice. That's really helpful stuff. I, I wanna, I'm going to receive that. I'm going to just take it as it is. Other bits when it says that uh, as a leader, to grow in your leadership, you need to realise that some people just aren't worth your time. And I go, that's just not the way of the cross. I'm going to reject that. I'm not going to take that on board. And other things you might choose, you might say, well, look, there's a lot of good in that, but there's a couple of things that are unhelpful, so we're going to redeem that. You might do this with your kids and Santa Claus. You know, the world says it uses Santa Claus as uh, somebody who uh, is, you know, who's naughty or nice and gives gifts uh, according to that. You might say, well, generous people give gifts all the time. Not according to whether they're naughty or nice. And we can be generous because God has been generous to us. And so Santa Claus gives gifts to all kids because he's generous. And that's what generosity looks like. You can redeem that message of the world. You can redeem that wisdom of the world to make it Christian thinking. You don't have to do that. That's just a suggestion. So when we hear worldly wisdom, we need to filter worldly wisdom through the message of the cross and then decide, do we receive it, do we reject it, or do we redeem it? And maybe you need a hand 
You maybe need some, need some help in thinking through that. How do you receive, what do you receive? What do you reject? What do you redeem? How do you do those things? That's why we have a church. That's why we're in a community to do life together. So talk to your Christian friends and see what they do with different things. Their parenting, with, uh, in, in their marriage, in, uh, in what's, it, what's it like to be a single person and, and the wisdom of the world in that. Hear the, hear the wisdom of the world, filter it through the message of the cross, receive, reject or redeem. And as you do that, don't forget why we're doing that work. Don't forget why we've gone 180 degrees against the ways of the world. Don't forget why we're choosing what sounds foolish to the world. Remember that Jesus is precious. Jesus is the true prize. And that no sacrifice is too high to gain him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much that through the the noise of the world, you give us true wisdom. And Father, we pray that as we come to Jesus and continually submit our lives to his lordship, that you would give us more and more of that true wisdom and show us how to live, primarily by remembering always that Jesus is so precious. Amen.